favorite Bible story and character. It's the ultimate underdog story. Man, I love this story. And it's a story of David and Goliath. You all know the story. Um, and for the sake of time today, I'm not going to read it, but it comes out of 1 Samuel 17. Um, if you guys want to check that out later. But basically, here's how it goes. You have David, who is a young shepherd boy, right? David has like all kinds of brothers. And how many of you are like the younger brother or sister of someone older? Right? You're always kind of getting punked on, right? Aren't your older brothers and sisters like totally mean, bullies, right? Yes. It's so (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have asked that in this group. I don't know. But David has all kinds of brothers, and it was time for, for there to be a new king. And so God sent his prophet Samuel, and he said, go to this city, this house, and I'm going to show you who the next king is. And so David's dad brings out all of the sons. And he lines them up, and he's, like, fixing their hair, and he's, like, maybe spraying a little deodorant on their armpit. I don't know. And so the prophet begins to look, and God would say, no, not that one. No, not that one. And meanwhile, all the brothers are lined up, and their hearts are racing, their palms are sweating, and they're like, holy cow, am I going to be king? This is awesome. This is way better than being a shepherd. And so Samuel goes through one by one, and God says no to all of them. So Samuel says, hey, do you have any other sons? And the dad's like, yeah, but he's out taking care of the sheep. We'll just, we'll just let him be. He, he's fine. And Samuel says, no, I'd like to see him. And as soon as David walks up, God says, that's the one. David was anointed to be king at a young age. That's incredible. And God set that up. But what you need to understand is David from the get-go didn't have the confidence of his family. It's not like David's family was like, yeah, David, that's awesome. Giving a little nookie on his head. And they're like, are you kidding me? You chose him? And I think it probably caused some, some tension and some strife in their family. So fast forward, David was anointed king, but it wasn't time yet for him to be king. Okay. So God had given him a promise, but it wasn't yet time. Fast forward, there's a war. A war between the Israelites and the Philistines. So for today's lesson i would like to turn all of you into israelites you are god's people wow real excited this morning and all of you are the philistines which in this story is god's enemy i should have switched that and made the junior hires god's chosen people but we're just gonna roll with it so let's on on the count of three i'm gonna hear your like fiercest battle okay you ready one two throw grace on that one and I'm going to come back. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that house, cow, house cat growl. High schooler, show them how it's done on the count of three. Your fiercest battle cry. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. Junior hires, are you ready on the count of three? One, two, three. Alright. So here's what happened. There's a big war between the Israelites something tall that's like two of me and then some would come out and every day he would make fun of the Israelites and every day the Israelites would be dressed in their army battle and they would line up and, and every day the Philistines would come out and they'd be like Rawr! and their giant Goliath would be like Whoa! I don't know something like that and I, 
really pretend to be a giant because I'm not really one, but that's how I envision it. And so every day this would happen. The Israelites would stand there and be like, I want my mom. And the Philistines would be like, Rawr! Goliath would be like, Rawr! And the whole time, David is scooping sheep poop with his little sheep, all right? Until one day, David's dad says, David, I need you to take some cheese and crackers and go check on your brothers. I'm worried about him. So David says, okay, dad, I'll go. And so he packs his, his snacks and he goes to the battle line to check on his brothers. And that's really where the story kicks off for us. David shows up and David hears this giant making fun of God and God's people. David wasn't motivated by his own desire to be a hero. David was motivated by someone and something that stood against the very word of God and what God had said. I mean, think about it. David didn't pull out his daily planner and be like, huh, says I'm supposed to slay a giant today. Right? He wasn't on his bucket list as a shepherd to be like, I'm going to take down a giant, right? Like David was just being obedient and faithful with what God gave him. And that was to take the cheese and crackers and go check on his brothers. And he did. And he hears this giant making fun of God and God's people. And David's like, hold up, wait a minute. Who are you? (laughs) Right? And, And so there's this conversation. And David's brothers are like, David, just go home. Anyone else here annoyed by little brothers, little sisters? Little honest. So the Israelites are getting pumped every day by Goliath and by the Philistines. David shows up with the snacks. David's like, aren't you guys supposed to be taking this guy down? Like, why is no one doing anything, right? And David's brothers are like, David, go home. Oh, my gosh, you're so embarrassing. (laughs) And David's like, it's totally not cool. Like, this giant is making fun of our God. And it's making fun of God's people. So David said, you know what? I'll fight him. Classic, right? Classic underdog. David says, I'll fight him. And so the, the king finds out and the king says, David, at least put on my armor. And so David tries to put on all this armor and it's like way too big. And here's the point. You can stumble around in the expectations of others or you can run in the destiny that God has for you. What God has for you will far outweigh what any human puts on you, even your parents. And it's good to desire to please your parents and to do what your teachers want you to do and your coaches. But I'm just telling you, some of you are settling and you're putting on that armor. And you're not going to do the things that God has called you to do because it's less than. So David puts it on. He's stumbling. He's like, man, king, I can't wear this. It's too big. And so David takes it off. David and then begins to recount all the ways that God has been faithful to him in the past. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. People are telling David every reason why David cannot take out this giant. And David says, oh no, I I can because I have God on my side. God helped me defend my sheep against lions and probably not tigers and bears, lions and some other animal, I don't know. But David basically says, I have learned to fend off animals with my bare hands to protect my sheep that same God who helped me then is going to help me now the point, nothing in your story is wasted nothing every moment of your story prepares you for the next moment and it's like building blocks and that includes all the bad things 
all the things that seem like God is not in the middle of because they just stink. Nothing in your story is wasted. And David understood that. David knew that. All of David's life story prepared him for this moment. You guys know the rest of the story. Little shepherd boy, five smooth stones, big bad giant with gnarly, crusty toenails and the most ratchet morning breath anyone has ever smelled. (laughs) And David charges the giant. He takes a slingshot, his stone, lands it right in the forehead of Goliath. The same giant who had made fun of God's people for 40 days one little shepherd boy takes out with one little stone. But David didn't just stop there. David actually went and took Goliath's sword. And and just to break it down for how fierce this was, the tip of Goliath's spear itself weighed 15 pounds. The tip of the spear, 15 pounds. David goes up, he, he kills the giant and the, the Israelites are like, wow, this is incredible. I'm going to put this on my Snapchat feed. We want a victory. <laughs> and David goes and he takes the sword. And it says that he cut off the head of Goliath. And he dragged back the head to camp. Now, personally, that's enough for me to lose my appetite. Because <laughs> I'm visual and I'm just envisioning like tendons and blood and, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking, like, a giant's head is really big and probably weighs a lot, you know? And you're, like, really tired. So I'm like, David, like, why? That's really gruesome. Like, are you just in a moment, bro? Or, <laughs> like, you, you already killed him. But you know what I think that means? It was a testimony for David. It was a testimony for David and for all of the people. David brought back part of the victory to the camp so that he could tell the story of what God had done. There's no way, David, the odds were totally against him in every way. Totally. There's no way he should have taken on Goliath, but he did. David did that because it was a testimony of God's faithfulness. I uh, used to do boxing back in the day, and I loved it, and I was going to be like this amateur boxer, and so I got all the gear. I got the headgear, the mouthpiece, the, the gloves, I got the bag, I got the apps on my phone, the books, I watched film, and, and I would work out, and then every weekend, we would have boxing matches in my pastor's front yard, and uh, there was like a group of us, and we'd hang out, and it was funny, and I used to box one of my friends, and Every time she hit me, she'd be like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And I'm just laughing. I'm just like, boom. Like, I'm not even going to apologize after. And so it was like a really great matchup for me because I kind of had the upper hand on her. Um, But one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given when I was training was to be an unpredictable fighter. An unpredictable fighter. The reality is this. You are in the fight of your life. All of heaven is cheering you on and chanting your name. As you run your race for Jesus, as you come to Cornerstone and and you learn about him, as you do the right thing while no one else is doing the right thing. But likewise, all of hell knows your name and you are on their hit list. The devil doesn't mess with those who aren't a threat to what he's trying to do. Okay? So like you're in the fight of your life. You think it's just a rainy Wednesday morning and can't wait to get out of school and your teachers are driving you nuts and, and coaches whatever and and you're just like you're just in your world right but you are in the fight of your life 
Right now, there are angels and demons colliding in the cosmic realm that we can't see. And there's this ultimate war going on because the devil's so dumb, he's already lost, but he's not going to quit putting up a fight. All he can do is lie and twist the truth and try to trip you up. Jesus has already won. He, he won it all when he endured the cross and rose from the grave. That's a promise. No one's going to rewrite that or wipe that out of the book of life. But you are in the fight of your life. And you have to learn how to be an unpredictable fighter. And there's three things for an unpredictable fighter. Number one, you are created with a destiny to pull a David, not live defensively. You know what defensive fighters do? I'll tell you what they do. They take their gloves and they block, block their face and they duck down into a corner and they wait for the next hit. Unpredictable fighters throw the first punch. Unpredictable fighters keep moving. That means that you, as God's children, you pray for those that are mean to you. You, you go home and, and you do your stuff without your parents having to ride your tail about it. You be the ones to be blessings to your teachers, not say, what can my teachers do for me? You be the one that doesn't listen to Kixie or 1061. You be the one who doesn't cheat on your homework. You be the one who doesn't have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend every two months. There's nothing wrong with that, but if they're not helping you to know who Jesus is better, you need to cut it off, man. It's got to go. I'll break it up for you if you'd like. (laughs) Call it Terry's Breakup Service. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) That's what happens when I stray off my notes. Number one, you were created with the destiny to pull a David, not live defensively. You will never win the battle if you win defensively. Number two, unpredictable fighters don't size up their enemies because they know who their God is. And how big he is. And we're all guilty of this, myself included, all the time. Oh, man. Life is so hard. My family's such a mess. Cancer's so bad. Yada, yada, yada. I'm not minimizing the truth of those statements. It's okay to call broken things broken things and hard things hard things. But we spend so much of our time and energy sizing up our enemy that it shrinks who our view of God is. Your God is greater. He's so much bigger and he's so much stronger. But your enemy, he's always sizing you up. He knows your weak points. He knows how to trip you up. There's a story of a lady who had a pet snake. And, and I, uh, this creeps me out telling it, but uh, she had a pet snake. And every night she would sleep with that snake and it would... Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. She, the, the snake would, would curl up with her and, you know, she had it from when it was like a young snake. And then eventually as the snake got older and time progressed, the snake started laying straight next to her. So she asked, I think the vet one day, she said, hey, like I've had this snake. We're, we're cool. It's my pet little Henry or Henrietta, I don't know. And the snake used to sleep like this, but now it's sleeping like this. And the person said it's because a snake is sizing you up. As soon as it's bigger than you, it will eat you. (laughs) But you know what? That's how your enemy does you, man. Every day he's sizing you up. And every day that you don't read your Bible, you've given him... A little more room to be in your life. 
every day you're not worshiping, you're not praying, you're not walking this thing out with Jesus, that, that snake is stretching out and saying, I've almost got him. You don't wait till a moment of crisis when, when things are falling apart to get in your word. That will never happen. You, you don't wait till things when great are, and are peachy to get into your word. That, that can never happen. You, you get in your word simply because you love the word of God. Y'all say the pledge. I don't, I don't know the pledge. I should probably learn it. But, but what is this to you? Is it just an accessory? Is it just a textbook? And as scary as that story is about that snake, that's how real your enemy is. He's out to get you. And if you don't know the truth of God's word, you're not going to make it. Point blank. You carry resurrection power inside of you. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Three days, y'all. Three days. He was dead three days. Not three minutes, not three hours. There was probably some stank. No offense, Lord. Three days he was dead. And he came back to life. He walked the streets. That same power is on the inside of you and me. Which means you're capable of far more than you ever thought you you could do. You are capable of far more than what you believe about yourself. Resurrection power. Number three is this. Unpredictable fighters take what the enemy has a hold of and uses it against him for the fame, honor, and glory of God. The sword. David used Goliath's sword and took out the enemy. Why couldn't David just leave it alone? Because he had a testimony for the rest of camp. I don't know what your sword is. I I have two swords right now in my life. One is family. And you know what? Here's how I use that sword. I'm going to do my best to keep showing up and loving my family. And ooh-wee, it is hard. I, I can't do it without Jesus, y'all. I can't. I, I'm going to keep forgiving. And, and I'm going to keep guarding my heart against offense and bitterness and resentment. And you know what? I'm going to celebrate other families that have what I've wanted my entire life and don't have. I'm going to celebrate the godly moms that I see and the godly dads and, and the godly husbands and wives. I'm going to celebrate that, man. Because I'm taking the sword and I'm cutting off the enemy's head. He's not going to have me. My second one is this, my health. When I uh, dislocated my hips in middle school, I had three surgeries in two years. And I, the, the balls of my hip sockets are not in the sockets. They're like down below. And my doctor, Dr. Starziak, said... Uh, Tara, good luck. You have the hips of an 80-year-old. You'll never be active again. So you know what? I'm going to do my darndest to be active. And that's not really a whole lot of anything <laughs> right now. But you know what? I'm going to take a little steps. And I'm going to do what the doctor said I couldn't do because that is who my God is. And I'm going to take that sword. Listen, God's word trumps man's word every time. Every time. We talked about last week running a race and how our walk with Jesus is like running a race. Hebrews 12 says this, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Running a race is ugly. There's going to be blood, sweat, tears, and if you're like me, fat rolls jiggling everywhere. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. But you know what? No one remembers how the race was, want, was ran. People talk about and remember who finished the race. You run your race. High schoolers, those of you who God did something incredible, some of you have already slipped up and you're feeling defeated and, and you've just written that chapter off. Last week was just a memory. No, it's not. It was the real deal. God is working on you and in you and through you and you keep running your race. You get knocked down, you get back up. You see your teammates knocked down, you extend a hand and say, come on, we've got this. It's time for the Davids, the outcasts, the forgotten ones and overlooked ones to arise. The giants are await and victory is ours in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's the year of the unpredictable fighter. It's time to take out whatever and whoever stands against God and his word. That is who you are. That is who you are created to be. And you have everything you need to take out the next Goliath. question is will you god thank you for this morning and and god i love the story of david and goliath i just love it man god i i want to be a david a david who is so consumed with you and your word that that he he doesn't even think things through he's not logistical he he's not really smart (laughs) but god he just believes in you and he loves you and he trusts you God, I pray for every student in these chairs and every adult that you would raise up the warrior spirit within them, the David spirit. God, that the things that stand against you and your word would would be disgusting to them and that they would stand up and fight. God, that they would fight through prayer and worship, through the reading and applying of your word. God, thank you that you are greater and stronger than the dumb devil. That we have the victory. It's secure. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.